Hi, uh, my name is Xi Fan Chen. I'm a uh, professor of uh, biochemistry and biophysics at the University of California, San Francisco. I'm also an uh, investigator of uh, Howard Hughes Medical Institute. And this is the second part of my talk today. And uh, here I'm going to mostly, mostly focus on the work related to my own laboratory, and particularly our, our efforts to uh, using single particle cryo EM to study uh, indigo membrane proteins. And for a number of years that our efforts is trying to bring the single particle EM uh, about membrane protein from a globology level to the atomic resolution in a way that we try to bring something looks like this, which is shows a blobs of a, uh, a molecule to something like this one, which has a, a, a secondary structure feature and to finally to something looks like this, which has a, uh, atomic details. So this is our um, overall goal, our own mission of the lab. And uh, um, in this talk, I'm going to uh, take you through our, one of our recent work, which is illustrating the transition from a probology to atomic resolution. So a major talk of our laboratory is working on the ion channel called TRIP-V1. And uh, this is a sensor for the capsaicin and uh, um, nauseous heat. And in this work, we have a collaboration with David Julius Lab back since uh, around 2009. And David Julius Lab was the one that uh, initially identified and discovered this uh, TRIP-V1 ion channel. And the TRIP-V1 ion channel is an uh, excitatory ion channel in the pain pathway. It can be activated by a natural compound from capsaicin, which is, in the, is a ingredient that which makes your mouth feel hot when you eat chili peppers. And this channel can also be activated by uh, uh, noxious heat by the temperature. When temperature rises above 43 degrees C, the channel will be activated. And below this threshold, the channel will remain inactive. So in a way that this channel is an integrator of different thermal and chemical signals. And nowadays, in my laboratory, we also use this channel as a model system for our methodology uh, uh, development work. Now, using single... Uh, um, Structural biology of membrane protein is a particularly challenging area in structural biology. And over the last 10, 15 years, and tremendous progress has been made by X-ray crystallography of studying indigo membrane proteins. Particularly, the uh, um, progress was made in the membrane protein production using overexpression system and developed a new detergent and new uh, method for, um, for criticizing membrane proteins. Now, Cryo-EM, as I mentioned also earlier, that has also been used by, um, um, to study membrane protein, particularly in the early time that the electron crystallography has been uh, able to determine membrane protein structure to atomic resolution level. And in this case, that which membrane protein was uh, crystallized into a two-dimensional crystal and using, still using crystallographic approach. Now, the However, the bottleneck of any crystallographic approach is that you need to first form a very well-ordered or well-diffracted either 3D or 2D crystal and of sufficient size so that you can use crystallographic approach. Now, this is a major bottleneck of any crystallographic approach. That If you don't have a crystal, you don't have anything. So, therefore, our goal is trying to use a single particle cryo-EM to study membrane protein. However, this is a... Uh, um, it's a promising approach, which demonstrated very early on 
in the 1990s by uh, Joachim Frank Lab and uh, Elena Serosheva that they look at the, using the single particle EM approach and to study um, membrane protein, and particularly in this case, the reality receptor to uh, uh, um, also at the low resolution level by showing the, the character structure shape, how this molecule looks like. And then uh, uh, around like 2009, 2010, the, the best uh, uh, single particle cryo EM structure of membrane protein are these two structures. It is the uh, proton-driven ATP synthesis and also the IP3 receptors, both around the nanometer resolution level. And it's in the resolution just about resolving the secondary structure feature about the, particularly the transmembrane heat disease. Now back specific to the V1 ion channel, around this time, the resolution was still really limited to the blobology level at a much poor resolution. This is uh, not because of the, uh, um, uh, this is mostly because of uh, really the technology of single particle cryo-EM, particularly to study membrane protein, was very challenging, was very limited. So therefore, the resolution of number of these structures showed uh, at a relatively low resolution. Now, around the same time, the crystallography approach of the trip channel can only resolve the uh, determined structure of a specific domain called anchoring repeats domain. This particular domain has been solved by the crystallography and the structure. Now, our goal is trying to, using single particle cryo-EM, and without forming crystal, we determine high-resolution structure of triple V1 ion channel to atomic resolution level so that we can understand the mechanism of how this channel is gated at atomic details. Now, this all started by making the protein. And uh, uh, this work was done, actually, uh, carried out very, uh, um, for a number of years by uh, Hu Kao, a very talented postdoc from uh, David Julius lab. Now, he expressed the, he made this construct that, which is so-called minimal construct, in which he truncated a little bit of C-terminal and N-terminal domain, which predict to be flexible. So that this is mostly for better uh, um, expression. And also, initially, this construct was designed for crystallization. So that the idea is to remove all this uh, flexible domain so that it can facilitate it better for crystallization. Now, this channel can be expressed in, uh, uh, in, the, in the hexel and uh, using mammalian expression system. And then once the protein was produced and then purified, who was able to reconstitute this protein into the, back into liposome and then use a patch clamp to measure the uh, activity of this protein and showing that it actually the purified protein has the um, same um, um, character as a white type protein. So that's a, uh, already a tremendous progress for the making the protein. This is already actually quite a number of years efforts into this, uh, making this protein. Then the next step is to putting this protein into electron microscope to look at it. So the trip V1 ion channel was first expressed in the uh, mammalian uh, expression system, and then solubilized uh, uh, and uh, purified in the presence of detergent. Showing here is a uh, um, size secretion chromatography of a uh, um, detergent solubilized and purified trip V1. It's a very nice uh, and single peak suggesting that a protein uh, say, uh, is uh, in a uh, more dispersed and uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in the good shape. Then the next thing we did is that we put this mem uh, membrane protein into, uh, um, to look at, visualize them in the uh, negative stain EM, showing here that uh, indeed the proteins are more dispersed. However, the 2D class averages of these proteins, uh, 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 these particles showing that they are actually still conformation actually quite heterogeneous. And this actually poses us a, a tremendous challenge for study the, uh, to try to determine structure of uh, 
this protein to high resolution structure. So, and another uh, challenge imposed by this one is the presence of detergent, making it very hard to, for us to making thin layer of ice. And because the presence of detergent changes the surface property and surface tension, and making it much harder to make a thin layer and ice and then with protein embedded in it. And instead of that, we tried something else. That is using the amphipole. Amphipole is also a uh, um, kind of um, amphipathic molecules, different from detergent. This one was first used actually by uh, Van der Cooper lab and then to study a large membrane protein. And then in this way, that the idea is that it can, uh, it can remove the detergent. And amphipole, in a way, is a, uh, similar as detergent, but uh, different from detergent. You can actually uh, um, put in the substituted detergent with amphipole and then run the, um, this protein through the size occlusion chromatography using buffer without, uh, complete without a detergent or amphipole. So therefore, it's very stable, actually, uh, um, for, um, um, for membrane protein. So we tried this one with the uh, v one and then uh, you can see that uh, after uh, substituting um, uh, detergent with amphipole, the protein also remained as a more uh, um, dispersed as a single peak. And then uh, visualize this by uh, a negative stanium. Turned out that uh, this one now, in the, in the presence of amphipole, the protein remains not only more dispersed, but also much more in a better homogeneous conformation, shown here in the 2D uh, class averages of this one. This facilitated us to have a much more homogeneous sample to further study them in uh, um, using CrowdEM. Now, showing here on the left is a typical electron micrograph of frozen hydrated trip V1 in amphipole embedded in the thin layer of ice. Now, this image is recorded using uh, a scintillator-based uh, based camera. On the right shows here is a Fourier transform of this image. Shows that the tongue ring goes to almost to eight angstrom. This was very exciting when we first got this image because this type of data enabled us to getting a structure of trip V1 at about eight angstrom resolution. At this resolution, we were finally able to resolve the uh, transmembrane helices. And uh, on, we say, uh, showing this movie here is the uh, a 3D de uh, density map of v one You can see that we are, can uh, nicely visualize the transmembrane helices. And these helices can be interpreted very similar as a, a vote, uh, any uh, um, this tetrameric uh, um, um, ion channels. Now, um, this is, was a tremendous uh, uh, excitement for us, that this was the first time we started visualizing the membrane protein in the, um, in the it's a uh, transmembrane helices by single particle crowd gem. But this also around the same time that we also uh, work out the technology of using um, um, direct electron detection camera to getting structure uh, of a uh, molecular, molecular complex to high resolution structure. Therefore, around this time, we immediately, instead of trying to publish this structure, we immediately trans, uh, and started using the new technology to study the same thing and then try to aim to get a high-resolution structure. Now, here on the, on the left is an electron micrograph of, a, uh, um, again, this trip V1 embedded in the thin layer of ice. And, but this image now is recording with this uh, K2 camera in counting mode and after-motion correction. Showing right here is a free transform of this image. You can see the tongue ring all the way goes to three angstrom, suggesting this image really has a quality enable, could enable us to getting atomic resolution structure. Now, from this type of data, we are finally getting structure of triple V1 at about 3.3, 3.4 angstrom resolution. 
you can see here a this density map that is showing that a really nice resolved sidechain. Based on this density map, we were able to uh, um, build an atomic model de novo based on the sequence of the structure. And uh, uh, just to illustrate how the camera technology uh, enabled us from a low, uh, poor, uh, uh, relative poor resolution level to high resolution level. Showing here on the left now is a 2D class averages of trip V1 uh, and images, trip uh, V1 ion channel recorded by using the scintillator based camera. You can see that we're also solving the, the shape of the molecule. You can see the transmembrane domain and also the soluble domain. However, if we have the same sample now recorded with a, C, with a K2 camera after motion correction, then you can see there is a great more detail of these images. Now, this is the one enabled us to get in this structure. As I showed in the, uh, another talk earlier on, that we also now have a newer version of a motion correction called Motion Code 2, which we can use to further improve the resolution and correct both global and local motion, and then apply the, the new algorithm to this same data set that we can see that we can get a sample to a, a significant even further improved resolution. Actually, now we're actually able to improve this same data set, the resolution, to close to three angstrom. Now, from this structure, uh, this work was actually done by uh, most uh, two uh, very talented uh, postdocs in, uh, uh, in our laboratory, uh, who come from Julius lab and Fuller um, from my laboratory. And both are faculty members now and starting their own independent lab. Now, Back to this structure, that because we don't need to form a crystal, this enables us also to capture the structure in different conformation. Because single particle cryo uh, we do not need to form crystal. Therefore, this enables us to using a lichen to, if we can trap the protein in different conformation using lichen, this will enable us to actually determine structure of the same protein in the different conformation. In this case here, showing here that uh, we actually have the uh, V one um, ion channel determining three different conformations. Showing on the left is the structure of V one able structure without ligand, showing that the channel is in a closed conformation. Showing bottom here is the single channel recording uh, uh, corresponding to this, uh, uh, in this conformation in the able state, showing the channel is in a completely closed conformation. You can see that in the ion permission pathway, the channel has two major restrictions that one is up, one is in the, in the bottom, that both are in a closed conformation. Showing the channel is, is in the channel is in a closed conformation. Now in the middle here is the structure of triple V1 uh, in compressed with capsaicin, which is the ingredient that in the chili pepper make your mouth feel hot. Now showing in the you can see that the uh, um, the ion permission pathway showing that uh, the lower part of the uh, channel uh, is in the open conformation. And, and corresponding to the single channel recording shows that the channel is actually in the presence of uh, capsaicin is a freaking back and forth between open and closed conformation. This suggesting that, suggests that uh, the open of the lower gate by the capsaicin could allosterically destabilize the upper gate and then making the upper gate also uh, um, um, transition back and forth between the open and closed conformation. On the far right here is the structure of V one in the presence of a capsaicin-like molecule bound in the bottom, and which you can see that the lower gate is an open conformation, but also in the outer pole there's a double knot toxin binding uh, to the channel, which also open the channel in the, in the, uh, uh, open the channel. 
you can see that now the channel, the both outer gate and the lower gate are both in the open conformation. The channel is in a complete, completely open state. Now, single channel recording shows that the channel indeed is in a completely in a open conformation. This suggesting that different ligands acting on the channel have different effects on the either out or uh, out pole or in the lower pole, and suggesting that the channel can integrate different signal input from different uh, um, ligand binding. But for us, technically, we want to also move this one to a next level, and then so. One thing we want to see is how can we put the channel into a solid channel in a lipid bilayer environment. This is actually meaningful. If we look back to the structure of trip we want the density map of trip we want in the uh, in complex with a double knot toxin and uh, a, uh, um, a vanilloid compound binding, that this structure also gives us the conformation of the whole structure. However, the resolution or the quality of the density map of this channel actually is unsatisfying, put in this way. If we compare this channel with the APO structure, we can immediately see that uh, the channel actually in the, in the, in, in the complex, uh, when the channel encompasses with double toxin, the resolution is relatively poor compared with the APO structure. Now, this is the same protein, and the uh, structure was determined using the same approach. So the resolution, the poor resolution, is not because of uh, on the sample it's not because of the uh, sample difference, or it's not because of the, re, uh, the difference in the technology. And it must come from other reasons why this resolution is poor. So one of the ideas we're thinking is that because in this case, the channel, or, or is in the, as I mentioned earlier, is a, uh, in first purified in detergent, and then a substituted with amphipole. In this case, the, the lipid molecules are all removed during the sample preparation. Now, it is from early work, it is known that the double knot toxin binding to the channel is first required the presence of lipids. So, remove the lipids, and then that may be the major reason of destabilize this complex, and then it leads to a relatively poor resolution. Now, the goal, therefore, is how to put this membrane protein back in the lipid bilayer environment, and it can still study the high resolution structure of uh, on, on them in the lipid environment. Now, traditionally, there are a number of different approaches. Again, that this can be started by uh, uh, electron crystallography because membrane protein was reconstituted into the uh, 2D crystal in the presence of lipid. Therefore, in, the, uh, in that way, that one can actually put in membrane protein into back in the lipid environment, getting high resolution structure. However, this approach, again, requires the formation of a crystal. And if we don't have a crystal, you don't have able to get a structure. So if we want to use a single-particle EM approach, now we could not take this one. But using single-particle EM approach, there, there, there's a method to, to put a membrane protein in the lipid environment, bilayer environment, bilayer environment is to using the so-called lipid nanodisc. Now, there are early works demonstrate that, that this approach is actually feasible to using the lipid nanodisc. In both cases, the resolution they're able to get in was in the relatively limited resolution. Now, then uh, using lipid nanodisc can also be actually uh, um, uh, not using it. But another approach is to put in membrane protein into liposome and then try to look at the structure of membrane protein in the liposome. Now, this method was first actually was carried out, uh, uh, demonstrated by uh, um, Saber's lab and followed by uh, um, Fred Sigwood lab and then uh, using this approach to study membrane protein in the, in the lipid environment. The resolution of this approach is still right now limiting in the uh, relatively 
uh, around like a nanometer or sub-nanometer resolution, not able to get an atomic resolution yet. Now, the one other approach is still using um, liposome and then uh, approach reconciling membrane protein into liposome, but taking electron tomography using uh, a subvolume averaging technique to try to uh, uh, obtain the resolution, uh, try to obtain the 3D structure of a membrane protein in the lipid environment. The resolution of this approach currently is also limited around like a nanometer resolution. Now, for our laboratory, we saw that we want to try the approach of using lipid nanodisc. And then this work was carried out by a very talented uh, joint graduate student, Yuan Gao, from my laboratory and the Julius lab. Now, Yuan finally able to, after a lot, uh, a lot of hard work, he was finally able to reconstitute chip V1 into uh, um, lipid nanodisc. Showing here is a size occlusion chromatography. Showing in the middle here is the peak corresponding to the chip V1 reconstituted into the lipid nanodisc. Now, if we examine this sample by nature stain EM, one can see that they can indeed reconstitute into nanodisc. Yuan was able to use in two different types of scaffolding protein, which form nanodisc of two different uh, diameter. On the top here is the 2D class averages of a, a membrane protein in a relatively larger um, membrane scaffolding protein, or in other words, can be reconstituted in a relatively larger nanodisc. And the bottom here is a, a, a slightly smaller nanodisc. And you can see from these two images that uh, the bottom one shows that the, the specimen, uh, the actual particle are much more, homo uh, more homogeneous in, uh, in a way. And because there is a, a, a not a big uh, um, nanodisc floating uh, around there. And the common wisdom would be saying that this bottom one using this smaller nanodisc will probably be better one to enable us to get a high resolution structure. However, our concern is that when you have a smaller nanodisc, May impose a, it may impose certain constraint to the transmembrane domain to preventing it to undergo conformation change. So for that reason, we still choose to use the larger nanodisc, so that in this case, the membrane protein is really floating around inside a relatively large uh, nanodisc without being constrained by the membrane scaffolding protein. Now, showing here again, this is a typical electron micrograph on the left of a uh, V1 in the nanodisc and recorded by, again by the uh, K2 camera in the operating in the counting mode. On the right side here is a Fourier transform showing this uh, tone ring all the way go to three angstrom indicating the quality of the images. And the bottom here is the 2D class averages of these images showing high quality of, the, of the, uh, this uh, uh, data. And from this data, Yuan was able to get a structure of V1 in nanodisc uh, together with the uh, toxin and a vanilla pombombine. Showing here, you can see the large disc is, a, uh, is from the uh, nanodisc. The membrane protein is floating inside the disc here. And this blue density should mark the boundary of the membrane. This is from, is from the head group of the lipid bilayer, lipid molecules, that marks the boundary of the, of the bilayer. And the blue density here shows uh, here are the actually specifically bound lipids, uh, um, that lipids that are specifically bound to the membrane protein, that they are very well resolved. We can model them. You can see a number of lipids in the outer leaflet and also in the inner leaflet. The resolution of this uh, um, uh, reconstruction is significantly improved. There are some density, for example, this particular one shown here in the mesh, was we actually observed the same density in the structure determined from amphipole, uh, um, amphipole structure early on. 
the resolution there, however, was relatively poor. We could not model this density. Now, with this improved density, we are now able to model this one as a phosphocytocholine. Now, more interestingly, that whether the question is that whether none of this actually can improve the resolution of a, 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 a single particle construction of a membrane protein. Now, this is a, a not exactly the case. Now, we, here we actually have the three different structure of chip V1, both in nanodisc and also in amphipole. On the left here is the able structure, and in the middle here is a, is a, a chip V1 with, with agonist bond. On the right here is the chip V1 with antagonist bond. You can see that in the middle one is the one really have the resolution improved for, uh, uh, quite significantly from about 3.8 angstrom to about 3 angstrom. On the left here, in the able structure, the two structures shows you the able uh, in nanodisc or in amphibole give you almost give us almost identical uh, a normal resolution, showing that the structure actually when we compare it to the looks almost identical. However, there are still a little bit of subtle differences, and then uh, which shows that the the structure of uh, the the nanodisc actually is a good thing for the membrane protein. Here, if we take out the, the most outer alpha helices. And then by comparing the density from the nanodisc and amphipole here, from nanodisc and amphipole here, and we can see that in the one side of this uh, helices, by looking at the side chain density facing inside of the protein, that one can see that this, this side chain density looks almost identical. Even the uh, side chain can be all positioned in almost identical way, and suggesting that the structure there's no change there. However, if we look at the side chain facing lipid pole, we can see that in the nanodisc case, that this side chain density are significantly better resolved than the one in the amphipole, suggesting that even for the membrane protein that facing the lipid pole, that when the protein is in the lipid nanodisc, that this is still providing a better uh, environment for, the, for, uh, uh, for structure determination. So this is actually suggesting us that the lipid nanodisc is probably a generally good uh, platform to study membrane protein. And uh, uh, um, uh, not necessarily that it will give you different conformation, but it probably most likely will give you a better environment for membrane protein to sit there and then for, the, for a, a better structure studies. Now, in here, we also visualize some very interesting features. For example, we can now see that uh, um, this tapenol toxin binding to the uh, channel is really uh, um, stabilized by the, by the presence of this lipid. You can see that this lipid has its uh, head group forming an interaction with the, uh, with the channel protein. And its hydrophobic tail forms a hydrophobic interaction with the hydrophobic part of the uh, toxin. Now, this sort of tripartite complex is probably required to really stabilize. The, it's critical for this whole complex to be uh, um, in a stable conformation. Now, it's probably most likely is that this kind of stabilization and uh, facilitated by the presence of lipid is the major reason that we are able to get in a better resolution of this particular conformation. Now, we also see that a very interesting thing is that, for example, you can see on the left is an unlinked structure showing two lipids molecule. Its head group is more or less in a similar level, height level. And when the topnot toxin binding here, it partitions into the bilayer, it will actually move the lipids up and down to accommodate the binding of the topnot toxin. This is also uh, uh, quite reasonable to, to understand. 
Now, the further thing that which is quite interesting is that we now have a much better resolution compared with previously in this uh, vinylated binding pocket. In the APO structure, we see a very clearly defined density map, which can be modeled very nicely by the phosphotidyanositide molecules. And uh, uh, this can be, and we actually see this same density in the amphibole structure, but not so clearly resolved. So suggesting that this molecule, this lipid molecule, is actually a, in, uh, most likely is an endogenous one, but not added uh, during the uh, um, purification or analytics of reconstitution. Now, in the same pocket, in the agonist bond structure, with the sulfur uh, uh, toxin, which is a very potent agonist, triple real agonist, then we can actually see also improve the density. We can now model this one, agonist, how it binds there, and how it uh, induces a very uh, subtle conformation change to the channel. And uh, uh, um, so understand how this, how this uh, uh, agonist is actually acting on the channel. Now together, if we're putting all this thing together, we can actually have a much better understanding of how uh, um, vinylloid acting on the channel. Showing here, you can, on the left side, on the left side you can see is that uh, the density of a uh, vanilloid actually overlap with the density of the, uh, um, of the this lipid molecule, suggesting that the binding of agonist displays this uh, uh, lipid molecule. And such binding of agonist promoting a salt bridge formation, which moved S6 helices uh, um, backwards, and which in turn also moves, uh, uh, sorry, moves S5 helices backwards, which coupled to the S6 helices also move backwards and leads to channel to the open. And this is how the uh, um, agonist actions on, uh, on, the, on the channel. Now, in the present for antagonist, and this is the, the structure of a triple uh, one with a capsaicin, which is a very potent antagonist. We can see that this antagonist molecule also bind into the same vinylated binding pocket. It also displaced this uh, lipid molecule, which originally occupied in this pocket. And however, this binding does not promote a, uh, induce any conformation change in the channel. And then suggesting that uh, this is uh, um, the antagonist binding is probably stabilize the channel in actually a close conformation, and then and, uh, um, providing the mechanism of how the antagonist working. So this uh, actually gave us an idea about how um, channel is a further um, more detailed uh, mechanistic information about how agonist and antagonist are acting on the channel. Now back to the general question about how membrane protein, uh, can we start membrane protein in a lipid environment? As we demonstrated here, the membrane protein can be uh, put into lipid nanodisc to study the structure of them, facilitating the structure determination of a membrane protein in a lipid environment. Now, in, this is our structure shown here of TRIP-V1 in a lipid nanodisc. On the left here is a, is a reality receptor which has a very large soluble domain also embedded in the lipid nanodisc. In both cases, one can see, think that the structure, uh, uh, the image refinement was really facilitated probably by this large uh, or relatively large uh, soluble domain. Because in the transmembrane domain, we have a large chunk of unstructured mass that added to protein, which would, on the other hand, uh, um, influence or interference with image al alignment. And therefore, it seems like that uh, to getting the structure of hydrogen structure of 
uh, membrane protein in lipid nanodisc do require certain size of sort of domain. And this imposes a question about whether, uh, how do we study a membrane protein which does not have any sort of domain? And can we still use the lipid nanodisc approach to study such membrane proteins? And then, so there are a number of different ways that we can think about it. But for, in our laboratory, for a number of years, we have been uh, 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 taking this approach to artificially increase the soluble domain by using a FAB, monoclonal FAB, particularly using a conformational specific uh, uh, monoclonal FAB that to bind to the indigo membrane protein. We can use this one as a fiducial marker to facilitate the image alignment. Shown here is an example of such a case. Now, this is a, a membrane protein of a uh, ABC transporter. It's a bacterial ABC transporter. It's a heterodimer. And uh, the two monomers are very similar. So therefore, this protein actually is a, has a pseudo-twofold symmetry without uh, uh, actual precise twofold symmetry, but a pseudo-twofold symmetry. And in this case, it does have some sort of a domain, but because the two are very similar domains that may interference with the image alignment, we cannot distinguish which one is which at low resolution. So that was the concern. So in this case, we're generating a monoclonal FAB by using phage display library uh, approach that uh, panning of a membrane protein generating this uh, specific conformation, specific monoclonal FAB, which binds to one specific monomer. And using this FAB as a fiducial marker, we were able to get in the structure of this one, uh, membrane protein, to a sub-nanometer resolution. I have to say that this work was actually done in the early time when the K2 camera just became available. This is one of the reasons that this resolution uh, was still in the, in the sub-nanometer resolution, but not higher. But nevertheless, this actually demonstrated an approach that using monoclonal FAB as an approach to study integral membrane protein, and particularly to study membrane protein without a big soluble domain. Now, to finally make a conclusion here, that we're now able to demonstrate that actually also showed that the single particle cryo-EM, using single particle cryo-EM to study membrane protein, actually has become a versatile uh, or very powerful technique, particularly for membrane protein, for ion channel, for a large group of membrane protein that are particularly difficult to, for crystallization. And then for those membrane protein nowadays, that it is probably a more efficient way and then to study them to get, obtain the high-resolution structure by using single particle cryo-EM. We also demonstrated that it is possible now to put a membrane protein into lipid uh, bilayer environment using a lipid nanodisc approach to getting high-resolution structure. And also specifically to visualize it, the membrane-lipid membrane interactions, which may be better preserved in the presence of lipid uh, environment here. And then the, in the last, we also showed that using FAB approach, that we were able to most likely to study membrane protein that was very small or even no soluble domain. And we hope that using FAB could be also another general approach that are able to enable us to study such membrane protein. And finally, I want to conclude this one to acknowledge uh, uh, people who contributed work. These are showing here, at least here, our current lab member and a former lab member. And in the trip we run work, we have a very tight and close collaboration with the David Julius lab. And these are the people from Julius Lab, which also contributed to, uh, to this work I, I, I presented today. And also that we have also a collaboration with Charlie Craig Lab and Bob Stroud Lab at UCSF to uh, develop this technique using FAB uh, to facilitate a single particle uh, cryo study of a small membrane protein. 
finally, this is a funding agency which support our work. Finally, I want to thank you for your attention.